Hey, David. Hey, Kevin. You know what I really like in a webcomic? Nudity. Yes, but you know what else I like about webcomics? Evil. Yes, I love comics about evil people, especially when it's a bunch of the baddest of the bad competing to see who's the most evil one in the universe. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of fun. What comic is this? That would be Villainverse, the most fast-paced, mass-destructing space opera ever created. All of the worst villains in the entire universe compete to see who's the baddest of the bad. Meanwhile, the number one most evilest villain plans the worst scheme this universe has ever seen. And you know what else? What else? It's free to read. That's the perfect price. I know, isn't it though? You can find it at villainverse.carrd.co. That's villainverse.card with two r's.co. And it's available to read on various platforms like Tumblr, Metabang, and there is actually a Discord for it. How awesome is that? That is super cool. Yeah. So go check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin Bastard. With me this week are Mike the Skeptic. Mike, how you doing? I'm I'm okay, I guess. Okay, that's good. And uh, we, of course, as always, have Mr. David Davis. David, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I've learned more about Adam Sandler's friend group in the last two weeks than I have in the past 20 years, so that's that, been interesting. Really? Yeah, you know, the life of a freelancer. I've had to write a lot of articles about people who are in Adam Sandler movies. Okay. Who is he? Where is he now? What is his height? So Who was phone? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I gotcha. And I thought maybe it had something to do with us losing Gilbert Gottfried, which is just a friggin' travesty to me. I'm trying to remember, yeah. was he in an Adam Sandler movie? No. I feel like he I feel like he was. Probably. But I don't remember which. <clears throat> But uh, Mike actually found a really funny thing where someone did a uh, dramatic reading of the prologue of the sixth book of the Wheel of Time. And for the Satan stand-in in there, they got Gilbert. <laughs> so it's like this overly dramatic reading. And then, Demandred! <laughs> How fares this world? You fool! Yeah, no. Did you that, that, fool! Holly, that Hollywood Squares bit. I, oh I watched my it God. again after I you know, love it passed, that. and I'm just like, oh, you so fool! <laughs> you fool! I love Gilbert Gottfried, and I love doing his voice so much. Oh, man. <laughs> like, you, you've seen the bit on Stern where they actually play his normal voice, right? Uh-uh, no. Oh, my God. Okay, because they're talking about how, like, uh, it's like Gilbert's real voice is scarier than his uh, on-air personality. Hmm. And they get in there, and they're talking, and it's like they play the audio, and you hear, Uh, hi, Gary, this is Gilbert. I was just wondering uh, who else was going to be there on the thing. Just give me a call back. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. So uh, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. And then they get back to the studio. It's like, you sound like a serial killer. I know. 
It's just like insane. Oh, we'll have to have you channel the ghost of Gilbert Gottfried for an episode. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yes, I feel At least you presence. could do the voice, man. Yeah. <laughs> At least there's that. So, that being said, this week, it's, uh, it's another holiday weekend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, David, you thought it would be a good idea if we looked at another bastion of our childhoods. Mm-hmm. The Easter Bunny. Mm-hmm. And I figured we'd start off with your typical history lesson, and then we'll start talking about some theories on this guy. Okay, yeah, no, it sounds good. Like, um, you know, I, I always kind of throw out these kind of, like, uh, oddball things. Like, I wanted to do the Dancing Plague for the longest time, and we oh, finally yeah. did it. Which was great. And, that was fun. You know, we, we tackled Santa, so why not tackle the Easter Bunny? I'll tackle the Easter Bunny. I've seen those photos. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I remember we were sharing uh, photos on Discord of creepy Easter Bunny costumes. Oh my god, I showed some of those to the folks at work, and uh, one of our coworkers who who is like into disturbing stuff, e- even she was terrified. So it, it is very disturbing stuff, and it's my, a very strange sort of tradition. Oh as well. yeah, no, my favorite is the one where it's like just this normal Easter Bunny costume, but you see this the haunted dead eyes of a college student looking through the mouth. Yeah, yeah, no, those uh, those are some of my favorites, where you just see, like, the person underneath, and it's very disturbing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, um, one thing I want to look at is why we have this association between rabbits, eggs, and the concept of Easter. I've always found this to be kind of like the strange confluence of things, and there's always all these different theories about how they're linked. Like, for example, what are your theories? Why is there an Easter bunny? Okay, Mike. I, so, I thought... I always was told and took it as given that it was, you know, normal, the normal uh, Christian co-opting of pagan and other religious rituals. Like the rabbit was a, it was like originally like a fertility rite mm-hmm. and the well, rabbit and the eggs are fertility yeah. symbols. All right, what about you, Kevin? Well, like I said, I was trying to figure that out when I was a young man. A uh, young man. When I was in elementary school, and I asked my teacher, uh, so so why is why do we have an Easter bunny at Easter if it's supposed to be about the res- resurrection of Jesus? And she just stared at me and went, he can be any color you want, sweetie. <laughs> that doesn't answer the question that at all. That not even what I asked, you horrid woman. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Mike, you're you're on the ball there. Like, a- as has become my catchphrase, this gets quite complicated. <laughs> um, there's a little bit more to the situation. There's going to be some interesting things we're going to find out as we go through this. But you know, it, it that's a very plausible theory. It makes a lot of sense, but there's still elements of it that are kind of a mystery and kind of shrouded right. in uh, deception. Deception. So, Right. That, so, that, that sounds like something someone did on purpose. Mm-hmm. So, if you were the God-fearing sort, there is no biblical interpretation for the origins of a rabbit being associated with the crucifix and resurrection. There's nothing in the Bible about that. Yes. I, so... Yeah. Yeah, I was... No, you're, you're right. I, I was trying to think of a joke. I'm like, yeah, no, I, anything I say is just going to be highly offensive. 
Right. Well, and there is um, there is a connection that comes from the Catholic Church later. Now, okay. commonly, the theory most associated with the arrival of the Easter Bunny in modern traditions is that it is some sort of throwback to the Germanic goddess Esther, uh, who has been associated with rabbits. Oh, I love her movies, Esther Williams. <laughs> My favorite interpretation of her was on American Gods, where she was played by Kristen Chenoweth, and it was perfect casting. Okay. Um, yeah. So, like, this this theory lines up, but again, it gets complicated. So, here's the question. Where the fuck do the eggs come in? <laughs> yeah, of all the things to bring eggs, rabbits are not high on the list. Like, the Easter chicken, I could see, mm-hmm. or, like, the Easter... Actually, I... How about we change it to the Easter ostrich? That would be fantastic. There's more chocolate in an ostrich egg size Cadbury egg. And then you get to eat the ostrich for dinner. Yes. Oh, my God. The biggest drumsticks in the world. (laughs) So um, I'm going to pull from a couple resources here. I'm going to name them as they come up. But I I specifically kind of want to focus on the symbol of the Easter bunny and how the egg hunts develop. Oh, please do. Mike, you got any good, fond memories of uh, egg hunts? Before we move forward? Um, not really. Really? I mean, I... Um... Well, you couldn't step foot into a church without burning, from what I heard, so... Mm-hmm. No, but... <laughs> it's, it's just I don't remember any as a kid. Like, well, okay, kind of have half a memory of one, but it, it just means that right. it was not an annual thing. Right. Like my parents didn't do it for us. The only times I, you know, know of it was when we went over to other people's houses on that Easter actually did, that, did that stuff. And my parents just gave us bag, you know, baskets of candy and right you know, chocolate and stuff. And yeah, but so it does remind me of one thing though. So we just, you know, I, me and my brother, we only got candy really. Never, never anything more than that. But I remember one time finding out one of my uh, cousins got a Game Boy for Easter. I'm like, what you the can hell? do that? You're, you can get something other than, you know, a large chocolate rabbit. You, like, you know, and that's the thing with some with some families. Easter kind of becomes like second Christmas. I was I was chipped out of second Christmas. God damn it. I feel the same way, man. Uh, it's like in. Well, the thing is, my birthday always kind of fell near Easter when I was a kid. I was, like, born the day before Easter, so. Yeah, well, uh, uh, me and my brother's birthdays fall on either side of Christmas. Ooh. So, That know. sucks. I have a friend who was born on Christmas, so that's always oh, that's. Yeah, yeah, happy your fucked day. Yeah, a lot of times exactly. we would get our uh, big present for my brother's birthday, you know, on the 13th of December. Like, I don't remember, that's when we got our uh, NES. They were like, you know, we're giving it to you on Bob's birthday, but it's not just his. <laughs> <laughs> this is both of y'all's. So y'all this had is like family Nintendo. So yeah. you had like St. Bob's Day, Christmas, and St. Mike's Day. And and Mike's <laughs> leftover day. <laughs> you know, I, thinking about my Thanksgiving memories, I think the thing that always stuck with me is... Oh, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> what's going on here? Look, we'll get to the Thanksgiving turkey some other day, but like for now, exactly. let's stick yeah, to this, no. this um, satanic rabbit thing. 
Yeah, like for for me, like I remember doing the egg hunts. Um, I, I remember going to church for a few years and that sort of thing. Obviously, that fell out of favor when I discovered rational thinking. But um, <laughs> one of one of my fondest memories is for a couple of years, it was really hard to get like Nintendo products that weren't video games. Right. So they made Mario Paint Easter egg kits, and oh. I remember. For a couple of years, I would get Mario Paint Easter egg kits, keep all the stickers to use elsewhere, and just paint all the eggs like Yoshi eggs. Okay, <laughs> that's neat, though. Yeah, and I had those stickers for years, man. I miss those things. Man, you were so lucky, because when we were growing up, there was only one game in town, man. Pause. <laughs> I, I remember some other brand of Easter decoration once. Oh, that's where I, it was like... Uh, I don't remember what brand it was, but it was these like heat shrink sleeves. Oh, they had those oh, yeah. with Paws as well. Well, this was the first year they came out, and there were some, maybe Paws eventually bought them. Okay. But there were some other company because it didn't come with like egg coloring yeah. tablets or anything. It was just these sleeves. Yeah. You would put over the eggs and dunk no, them in get, hot water. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. Well, and I firmly remember the smell of coloring Easter eggs. Oh, yes. oh God, that, that vinegar. Hard. It haunts hey, me, man. It haunts me. Hey, Mike. We need, a, we need to color some eggs this year. You know what? I think what you're is right. Is that this Sunday? It's this Sunday, God Mike. Damn it. I didn't realize it was so close. <laughs> we need to get that egg cooking machine. Okay, now back to the episode at hand. I wonder if they have that at Walmart. They might. We'll have to check. Or you can always get plastic eggs. Those are not going to destroy no, the earth the, at some point. Yeah, I can't eat those. Suck. I mean, you could. It's not advised. But you could. Me. I could, I could fill it with like tuna, and you could eat, you know, suck tuna out of a plastic egg. So. Oh Jesus Christ, Mike! What the fuck? How the hell did your family do? That's not what we did. I'm just <laughs> making a suggestion to you. Yeah, you can so, suck tuna. So, eggs. so what you do is you do an Easter egg hunt to make your own tuna sandwich. One egg has the tuna. <laughs> one oh, egg, egg is full filled of with mayo, oh. and another egg has two pieces of bread. <laughs> Oh God! It'd be the the egg for the bread would be the size of the legs pantyhose eggs, dude. And, and you've got to find it early enough in the morning, or else that tuna and mayo is going to cook. Oh, you'll so. find it soon enough after that. I was just, you know, having images of you, you know, cracking open the egg and there being two halves of tuna filled egg and just kind of <laughs> going to town on it. Oh God! <laughs> fuck off! But but so so something you just said something that made me realize for the first time ever why it was called that legs the yeah. stockings the eggs i didn't i look that thing stopped being a going concern before i left elementary school i kind of feel like the rest of this and episode so I, is just gonna be us figuring out stuff mike didn't so, realize so welcome to egg chat <laughs> so i was not you know i just it just did not dawn on me i did not you know have that i'm sure none of us had that grasp of you know well, what's the term used for that where things are double entendres is that is that uh, just naughty ones or is yeah, that usually it's naughty ones but yeah that that word play i did not have a firm yeah. grasp of that kind ah. of word play as a elementary schooler like one too swift on the uptake on that one no it's just it, it, the words were look when i was a kid words were very literal so okay so you're saying you're better than me in, as an elementary schooler? Oh, Jesus, God, no. I had, like, crippling mental problems and a speech impediment. This is getting too real. Let's get back to Easter. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and dive back in here. Yes, let's. So 
so one thing to consider is that Easter is a holiday that was used to colonize existing spring and fertility festivals in the, quote, pagan world. Yeah, now, right. I'm going to use that term. I think that term is antiquated. I think it's too general, but that's the terminology that's used in a lot of these sources. I think that is the color of the paint used by white male reality. Yeah, so basically anything that isn't affiliated with Christian West is considered right. Eastern pagan, basically. Yes. So the thing about colonization is that, like, if you've studied how colonies work and that sort of thing, is that just as will is exerted upon the colonized, the colonized will exert their will upon the colonizer. And that's where um, cultural transmission occurs. Yeah. That's where these different cultural influences come together, and they result in our modern conception of Easter. It's like Tex-Mex. Exactly. Exactly. It ends up being a bland thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, I mean, you got to understand, I come from California, and we have the best tacos in the world. I do not doubt that. Yeah. Um, so, let's talk about the Easter Bunny, shall we? Let's. All right. According to a write-up on Time.com, the concept of the Easter Bunny arrived with German immigrants in the 18th century as they settled in Pennsylvania. That's funny. That's how we got Santa, too, isn't it? Uh, yeah, more or less, actually. More or yeah. less. So, and you'll notice that a lot of these holidays seem to have that Germanic connection. Yeah. So, these immigrants brought with them the tradition of Osterhaus, or Osterhaus, which is an egg-laying hair. So there is this German traditional creature, um, like folkloric creature, that is an egg-laying hair. Okay. In this tradition, back in the 18th century Pennsylvania, children would make nests in which the hare could lay eggs. That was how that kind of tradition started there in Pennsylvania. Over time, this tradition would evolve and change, of course. Um, you know, the nest, uh, the nest would become a basket, and the kids celebrate by spending the morning finding eggs hidden around the yard. This is the weirdest version of Project Paperclip. Um, so, let, let's talk about the other bunny in the room here. <laughs> okay. So, let's talk about that concept of fertility and how rabbits represent that. Oh, yes. So, obviously, like... When I say rabbits and fertility, I think we're all thinking of the term fuck like rabbits. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's just a common thing. Rabbits are known to uh, reproduce rapidly and produce large litters and everything like that. They're, they're definitely, they've been adapted as a symbol for, uh, for fertility for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Now, that also ties into the presence of eggs, as the egg historically is a symbol of life. So, yes. as as such in pagan traditions, again, I hate that word, uh, the egg may have carried a significance of the representation of birth or even rebirth. Now, okay. when the Roman Christ kids hijacked the traditional spring equinox festivals, the significance of the egg changes. Okay. So, you know, so Christianity coming out of the Roman Empire and everything like that, and pretty soon you start getting the, the Holy Roman Empire and everything like that. Um, and as they start taking over, like, German space in the north, again, there's this cultural colonization crossover there. So right. you, have, you have the egg as being a symbol of birth, 
but then the Romans are going, the Roman Christians are going to tweak that a little bit. Of course so, they are. In this Christian context, the egg can said to be uh, can be said to be a symbol of the emergence of Christ from the tomb after the resurrection. Sure, why not? Okay, yeah, I, that's what I really want to think about when I think about the savior of humanity is an egg spitting out of a cloaca. Right. Well, and and here's here's a little explanation on this. So, from EnglishHeritage.org.uk, they write. Quote, the custom of the Easter egg hunt, however, comes from Germany. Some suggest that it originates back to the late 16th century when the Protestant reformer Martin Luther organized egg hunts for his congregation. The men would hide the eggs for the women and children to find. This was a nod to the story of the resurrection in which the empty tomb was discovered by women. I have another theory about why you did this. Why is that? You go find the eggs you get to eat. <laughs> and actually, we're going to get to that a little bit. Oh, good. So, <clears throat> now the tradition of decorated eggs likely goes back to at least the 13th century and is involved with fasting. Now, hmm. sourced from history.com, the idea that the eggs were a forbidden fruit during Lent, and so the eggs would be decorated and then eaten later when the fast was over. Because by boiling an egg, you preserve its uh, storage. Yeah. Uh, and if, if you pickle it as well, it preserves that storage as well. So the idea is that they would create these eggs as decoration, and then when the fast is over, boom, you can have your egg. You can have your egg and eat it too. Exactly. Okay. All right. So that's a little bit on like how eggs are coming into play. So now let's get to some of the really weird fun shit. Oh, good. So... Have you have have you gentlemen seen the episode of South Park involving the Easter Bunny in the Catholic Church, the Hair Club for Men? I hate to say it, I haven't, Mike. I it was how depends on when this episode came out because I saw a lot of South Park and then I didn't see any South Park. So yeah, feel like it came out. It was around the time that uh, the Da Vinci Code was very popular because the whole episode was a parody of. I think I might have then, but I don't remember much I, about it. I remember when they had the giant green spider uh, um, episode, but that's not you, related. You, so one of the one of the famous things from that episode is Randy Marsh dressed as an Easter bunny, saying "Hippitus Hoppitus Easter's on its way." Jesus God. <laughs> In, in the form of like a, a you know a, a monastic a chant. chant. Yeah. Domino, domino, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> there is some interesting truth to that episode to a degree. Um, now the episode is of course like a comedy. So the the episode says that the the first pope was a rabbit. Why? Because the hat's so big and pointy. Okay. But the rabbit has been associated with the Catholic faith for a long time. So, again, from EnglishHeritage.org.uk, quote, Links between hares and rabbits in Easter go back earlier in Central Europe. Hares were associated with fertility and with the Virgin Mary, and sometimes appear in paintings of the Virgin and Christ Child, and also oh. in illuminated manuscripts. There's a lot of shit in illuminated manuscripts. <laughs> yeah, weird shit. Knights and snails and... Yeah. Yeah. So custom had it that the hare would bring a basket of brightly painted eggs for all the children who had been good, and these would be hidden around the house and the garden for the children to find. Okay. All right. Of course, this is all in a strictly Christian context here, derived from the intermingling of Christian and indigenous faith in Central Europe. 
what we do know is that, like, um, we don't even know this because I'll get into this later, but the idea is that the name Easter is derived from the name Esther or Ostara. Mm. Okay, so Esther is said to be a Germanic goddess who is celebrated during the spring equinox. Specifically, the equinox occurs during the month of April, or in some German dialects, something like Ostermonth. Ostermonthen. Ostermonthen. Um, now I okay, want chocolate. So, now, now, I think that like deep dives on gods and deities may be in order in the future, but... The short order version of Esther is that she may represent the divine feminine and one aspect of nature as it relates to the divine feminine. Okay. Again, to use my catchphrase, this gets complicated. Oh, God. Yeah, no, it's gonna. So part of this lore explains how rabbits come to lay eggs in an Easter context. Um, now, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this, this is wacky stuff. It's fun. Yeah. So from here, <laughs> I am going to stick with the name of Stara. Okay, I, I, because I always have like Aestor? an issue like reading the name Esther. I keep wanting to say Aestor. Aestor. That that might be yeah. how it's said in the uh, original language. You know, Aestor. It it totally could, but I'm gonna stick with Ostara because yeah, I don't know it's much easier. Also, Ostara does sound like a really good brand of like uh, microwave oven. It sounds to me like a feminine hygiene product brand. Ask your doctor if Ostara is right for you. Please do not take Ostara. He's time fresh. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, man, it would have like a 1980s photo of like a young Terry Hatcher that needed the money. You know, just a picture of her looking like slightly to the left with a smile. <laughs> and it just says, Ostara. <laughs> Don't stink. You know. Divinely clean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. So, so you have the, the, the figure of Ostara. The supposed lore behind Ostara is that she transformed a bird into a hare, thus the egg-laying lepus. But why? No idea. And part of the reason why is because Ostara isn't entirely conclusively proven as a figure who was worshipped in pre-Christian Germany. Oh. Well, okay. Uh, another thing we're going to do at the end of the episode, I want theories on why she turned a bird into a rabbit. Uh, Just for I don't know. One of it. Bored. I, I, I've got a theory and I'll tell y'all at the end of this. Fair enough. So our only record of Ostara in a pre-Christian context actually comes from a German Christian writing in the 8th century by the name of St. Bede. Hmm. It, in fact, there is evidence to suggest that Ostarov may have been made up by St. Bede because of no, again, quote, pagan records exist regarding such a figure. It's yellow journalism. You know, um, like a, a nice pastel yellow because it's Easter. Yes. Uh, yeah. Pastel yellow with just a hint of pink and maybe some borders and some jewels. Maybe some baby blue? Like Eastern Orthodox looking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's, there's a chance that Ostara was completely made up. Not, not made, like all those other gods. Right. Well, you know, at least with some of those other gods, there's we do have some pre-Christian written record about sure. them being they, worshipped or ritual surrounding them. They're, they're made up long ago that we can't say they're made up. Right. Yeah. But 
our only record of Ostara in even any pre-Christian context, though, comes from an 8th century manuscript. Okay. So I'm going to source this information from a blog published by the Library of Congress. This is my big academic article. Okay. Um, it's titled Ostara and the Hare. Not ancient, but not as modern as some skeptics think. So this is a shout-out to Mike. Um, part of the reason this potentially apocryphal goddess took off and began to be taken at face value was due to the writing of Jacob Grimm of the Brothers Grimm. Nice. So Jacob Grimm took St. Bede at his word. Indeed, the Grimms were known for their archiving of Germanic folktales, and it would make sense that Astarwa would be caught up in this. Because that was what the Grimms were known for, is they were recording the folk tales of uh, Germany, um, Austria. Well, I don't even think it was it Austria back then in the 1830s. Uh, I don't know if it was or if it was like uh, Bohemia. Mm. So, you know, again, I'm not entirely sure of the geopolitics of the 1830s, but... <clears throat> right. Um, but this was just a thing. Like, the, the, the Grimm's were recording folktales. They took uh, St. Bede at his word mm -hmm. and just wrote Ostara down. So this is just a very fast and loose summary of what we know regarding these traditions and how they came out. This ends our somewhat rational segment. <laughs> and now, much like another famous rabbit, we are about to enter the Looney Tunes territory with Kevin. <laughs> Does that mean he's going to put on lipstick and wear a dress? Oh, boys. I, I'm assuming like 90% of the time I'm talking to Kevin, he's wearing a push-up bra. Yeah, I'm well, basically, if you've ever seen, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm basically uh, Buffalo Bill over here putting the, would I you shouldn't have taken me? a drink just now. So, yeah, uh, I was going to say, if, if anybody in this, in this thing needed a push-up bra, it's probably me. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> now, one of the things, before we go into my crazy bad shit stuff, uh, I want to bring up is, I, I I like the Grimm's because they kind of remind me of a uh, slightly less reputable version of W.B. Yeats and his Irish fairy and folk tales where he cataloged a lot of the early uh, Irish folklore, mm -hmm. which I would love to do an episode about that because I'm fascinated by uh, the Irish and the fact that you can tell as they were explaining the story to Yeats, uh, more ale was being drank. <laughs> because they totally run out of steam. It's like, well, one day the man, he was down by the the seaside and there was a merman who said, why don't you come down to my place and I'm going to let you try some whiskey. And then he did and it was really good whiskey and then he went and he went back down there and he stole the whiskey and brought it back to home and his wife said, here you fuck, where did you get the whiskey? And he said, I stole it from a merman. Now, I'm not making a joke. That is legitimately a story verbatim. Well, yeah, they're because Irish. it's Irish and they trail off because they're drunk. Yeah, not, not, not to be offensive toward the Irish. It's just that, like, I love their folk tales because they I, all I want the Irish like people that. to write us angry emails. I, I <laughs> want their hatred. Man, Jim Flanagan's going to hang me by my toes. Hot but, pockets! <laughs> but, Kevin, my, my favorite Irish folk tale, you know what it is. Uh, is this the one about the horse? Yes. The one where I got Aloysius? Yes. Yes. The, and the man said, the man said, I, I, they like rescued a woman and the horse was like, I need you to cut off my head. So the man did. Yeah. Just 
the end. A talking horse that says, cut off my head. And so okay. The end. the end. It's like, I had a great story and I forget where it went. It's like, I can't write myself out of this uh, corner. This corner of a talking horse. So he dies. Yes. He went so, back to his home planet. Yeah. <laughs> Poochie. Poochie died on the way back to his own planet. We knew you so for such a short time. So, uh, that being said, yes, let's talk about my theory. Now, my theory, of course, uh, goes back to our Santa episode, which I need. I've learned some things since we entered the Santaverse. And uh, Santa is actually not a tulpa, believe it or not. No, you don't say. Well, the thing is, shut up, Mike. Uh, the thing is, a tulpa is a thought form energy being created on purpose by a single person or group. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, well, typically a person, but like, you know, it's it's like, I need a friend. So I'm going to make Jimmy Coxwain and Jimmy Coxwain's going to be real. I'm just going to pour everything into him and make him. What these creatures are are egregores. Is it? Isn't that the? Uh, isn't that the donkey from Winnie the Pooh? Yes, yes, it is. Thanks Wasn't it a book for... about a dragon? Mm-hmm. No, that was Pete's dragon. Oh, okay. Oh wait, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, got Aragorn. It. Aragorn. Yeah. No, that was the guy from uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh right. <laughs> well, he was a dragon too, but he was wearing a skin suit. He was a reptilian. <laughs> oh, we got a new theory. So, what we're actually dealing here uh, with here is an egregore, and an egregore is similar in that it is a thought form energy being, but it is called into existence by a group and can be done so unintentionally. Yet, now my one of my theories is that the Easter Bunny is a long-existing egregore created in antiquity by our ancestors. You know, like when she turned the bird into a rabbit, which I'm pretty sure makes her the patron patron saint of shitty stage magicians. But no, that's making rabbits disappear or pulling it out of a hat. So the yeah. That's fair. Or unless you're the amazing Jonathan, in which case you turn it into a bird and you smash it and say, fuck her, bit me. So, which R.I.P. So, I think that this egregore was brought into existence as, you know, an egg-laying rabbit or what have you. Some kind of a creature. We don't know what. But once these things come into existence, self-preservation becomes an issue for them. They have to evolve to keep... Uh, people believing in them and uh, keep themselves in the forefront of the human mind. So it joined with the Christian holiday of Easter and sort of piggybacked on it. And its nature may have fundamentally changed from like, you know, whatever it was, but it still exists. And again, survival is the name of the game. And uh, if that idea is kind of sounding familiar to anyone out there, I encourage you to go read Hogfather by Terry Pratchett. And I'm going to quote him from Hogfather. Most people forget that the oldest stories are, sooner or later, about blood. Later on, they took the blood out to make the stories more acceptable to children, or at least to the people who had to read them to children, rather than to the children themselves, who, on the whole, 
are quite keen on blood provided it's being shed by the deserving and then wondered where the stories went so i think it's an evolving egregore now uh, it also reminds me of american gods by neil gaiman well you know him and pratchett were good friends and they probably oh. read a lot of the same uh oh yeah yeah <clears throat> Which, yeah, because yeah. in uh, American Gods, the idea is that when people bring their gods to America from the mm -hmm. old world, um, the gods like try to survive, um, and they 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 seek worshippers, and that's a mm -hmm. major plot point in the story because Odin is trying to give himself more power to overcome like the new gods of like right. technology and media and stuff like that. Which it that's also a thing in another Discworld book, Small Gods, where mm -hmm. basically gods have to they're just these tiny spirits and the more worshippers they have, the more power they gain. So yeah. there's like a temple of the small gods to help keep the smaller ones alive. But I also got to thinking, um I had another theory and it just left me. I didn't write it down. Fuck. Oh no. Oh no. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll think about it for a minute. Mike, what have so, you got? So first off, I want to address what, what you just said, that that word salad I had to ingest. God damn it. Okay. What about the egregore? Yes. Okay. <laughs> because I think my brain died a little bit. <laughs> what? The idea that, uh, well, okay. I remember like modern idea of an egregore, Slender Man. Okay. That's still... That people claim they see it, you know. Well, that's because they're lying. I know that, but the you general need to idea... that Mike is a stick in the mud. I know that, but Not like, stick the basic the idea is that, you know, yes, uh, Slender Man was created on something awful as part of a fucking, ooh, I'm gonna scare you Photoshop thing. <laughs> and now, people get fucking stabbed in the woods by their friends over it. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, or they want to they want to live in the Slender Mansion. Oh You've heard God. of the Slender Mansion, with, right? Yeah, with all of his proxies. Yeah, fucking all the cryptids. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Yep. But but <laughs> so cool. no but nobody nobody sits there and says I saw Superman. That's because they won't let the copyright lapse. Yeah, you can't uh, copyright an Egregore. Sure. No, it's the other way around because it would be an egregore based on a copyright because copyright came first we're getting into a whole chaos magic thing i, I want to see disney Servitor. dmca uh cryptid i just want to see disney God. like go I, after like no we claim we claim bigfoot under copyright <laughs> but but just the the thing that came to mind when you're saying all that is like that's like saying i took a turd and a stick and banged them together enough times and they became an intel pen uh intel processor all right look Fuck you, I think is what I'm going to say. No, um, what I was going to say, actually, is it kind of works if you take the super spectrum and the super structure into account. But we're not doing that right now. I don't want to subject y'all to that right now. I'm working on my <laughs> massive overview of the super structure. Oh, I boy. just took a drink because I lost the drinking game. Oh, because you mentioned the super strong. All right. Well, I've been raw dogging it, so I don't. I don't have a drink right now. 
Okay, so... Now, Mike's got a theory, Mike, much like he did was, with Santa. I was tasked with coming up with a theory, now, so... can you remind... Since I basically said the exact same theory I had for uh, the Easter Bunny and is the same one as Santa, uh, Mike, could you uh, so I was refresh gonna, us? So, so mine also kind of dovetails into what I said about Santa Claus. So, remember, for Santa Claus, I said it was the... Uh, what was the name of the Wandering Jew? Cartiphilus. Cartiphilus, that's right. So, Cartiphilus, you know, being immortal, eventually became the Count St. Germain, and then eventually became Santa Claus to try to atone for the grave sin of trying hey, to say, pick up move, the cross a- there, yeah, move along to uh, Jesus. Get on up there and die, you fucker. Yeah. So, Fuck. so my thoughts for the Easter Bunny are that it's actually Jesus in holy witness protection. What? So so Jesus became the Easter bunny to hide among men. My and word. waiting for the day when he can have his throwdown with Santa Claus. So you're saying that Jesus Christ yeah, he, he is a furry luchador waiting to put the smack down on Santa. Yes, because of that that transgression many uh, a couple of centuries ago. Couple. You know what though? I'm I'm gonna say millennia, something. A couple of millennia. Ago. There you go. Sorry, got the uh, my <laughs> epochs wrong. <laughs> epoch. I'm just gonna go ahead and say, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give this the Kevin the Bastard seal of approval for a theory. Well, well it, it'll be streamed on pay per view. I don't know, but I just hope son of Sa- son of Santo shows up for this. Like Jesus is like, you know, Santa has him on the ropes. Here comes Santo. Maybe a uh, nuclear physicist, crime fighter, and professional wrestler. Maybe and little, his uh, signature move is the jingle bomber. <laughs> it'll be a it'll be a tag team match with uh, Santa Claus and Krampus versus the Easter Bunny and Santo. Oh my God! I want to see this. Krampus is a heel that goes over. <laughs> I want to see this so bad. And here's the thing: you know what Jesus' signature move would be, right? Hmm. The egg explosion. Uh. The explosive elbow. I, I thought it would be the Christ air. Oh, that's that skateboarding. Unless he comes shredding into the ring with like Goldfinger Superman playing. Now, see, I always thought his signature move was the resurrection, and that's when he kept uh, he does a kip up dramatically. Oh, where they where they get to like the they get to like the nine count, and he just like. Pops back yeah, up. No, like, yeah, just like that I'm pop, back, you know. baby. No, he pops. I have risen. He, he pops. The other guy rolls off, and then him just laying there, you know, pivots up onto his feet. Oh, just raises, just rises like he's up on with a his board. arms outstretched. Oh, beautiful. Oh my God, da- David. David, <laughs> are you still playing in your Luchador comic? <laughs> I I do want to do that, yes. Okay, because I think you need to do this in there. This sounds awesome. <laughs> and uh, but of course, at the very end, after you know it's all said and done, he pulls the rabbit head off, and you know who's under there? Who's under there? Vince McMahon. Oh my god! 
<laughs> you just blew my fucking mind, dude. <laughs> fucking Vince McMahon. Well, you know it's him because he can't walk like a human. True. He just does that walk up to the ring where it's like... Did, he thinks he's you, strutting, but he's just having like a seizure. He's having like dozens of seizures. <laughs> he, he, he comes out to Jesus takes the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and then he always goes over the Undertaker because under can't, uh, Undertaker can't take him down. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Or, you know, every now and again, it's what if God was one of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this has been fun, and we have ruined another holiday. I'm so glad. <laughs> so, guys, we got some questions from uh, the Peanut Gallery. Mm-hmm. As always, uh, thank you for these questions. Our daily bread. And uh, if you would like to ask us something, you can ask us on Twitter at SuperNatPod, or you can hit us up on our website, SuperNatPod.rocks, or head on over to our Discord. You can find a link to that on the website. Uh, we have a whole section for asking questions. And we're going to start with Kick Acetron, who I am now uh, going to be a semi-recurring character on his D&D podcast. Ooh, I am nice. playing... Yeah, I'm playing a... Uh, basically, I'm, I'm playing Rasputin. <laughs> I, I'm playing a monk. Are you, and, are you playing with Rasputin's giant dong? I am, actually. I keep In my own head, I know it's wrapped around his waist like a belt, and he just, his name is Gregor Two Beers. And Are you the, the lover of the Russian queen? Oh my god, you have no idea. Hey, fucker, come on, let's go party. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> That's how I play him the whole time, man. Oh, Jesus. It is the most fun I've had playing a character in a while. Uh, so yeah, Kick Acetron asks... And this is a good question. What are the most convincing theories to debunk the paranormal in your opinions? I.e. swamp gas reflecting off blah, blah, blah. So, like, in general? or Yeah, like, you know, when somebody says, I saw a thing, like, uh, anything, like, any kind of a paranormal thing, what's your favorite, um, your, your, the most convincing theory? Okay. Am, am, I, am I the only one answering, or y'all answering? No, no, too? we're all okay. answering. We're all, all first. All of us. Oh, us first? Yes. Okay, David, how about you? Mental illness. Mental, yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, you kind of stole my answer you ass so uh but honestly i think my favorite is um just misidentified everyday objects mm -hmm. i saw a ufo no you live in the city and you saw the moon like in larger cities uh real good example in los angeles the power went out once and uh, everyone was calling the police and the authorities in a panic because there was this giant silver clad. It was the fucking galaxy. It was the Milky Way. They didn't know what it was. They just, they're like, there's a giant silver cloud. It's going to kill us all. No, that it's space. It's fucking space. That's just, pretty accurate for California. Just because yeah. light pollution means the only thing you can see is Cirrus Major doesn't mean there aren't other stars yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. Man, the first time I ever went out into the country and really thought about it, like when I was old enough to think about it, I was walking from my aunt's house to my grandmother's house after watching Return of the Jedi for the first time. And I step out, 
and this is out in the middle of nowhere. There's no light pollution, and I look up. Or very little. There's very little light pollution, thank you. But I look up, and I'm just like, I had no idea there were this many stars. We're nothing. My God, it's full of stars. Yeah, no, it's also, my God, it's full of my own self-worth being nothing. Yeah, I've been wanting to go to a dark sky site for a while. Yeah. Remember that time we are coming back from the coast and looked out the window oh, and just Jesus. could see? And it yeah. wasn't even like particularly it was just a darker area wasn't yeah. even that yeah we like pulled remote. over and looked up and we're like holy shit so mike yeah what's your what's the most convincing theory for you common fucking sense <laughs> <laughs> no, no 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 okay it's i saw bigfoot no you fucking didn't that's basically your your favorite is no you it, didn't not it's it's that you know I mean, it's not going to be one explanation for any of it, obviously. But you're but like, I saw a Bigfoot. You saw a bear. Or you saw what you thought was Bigfoot, but it was probably, you know. A any, bear. A bear. A dude in a monkey suit. Mm, okay, that's fair. Um, dude in the monkey suit. I, here's the thing, man. I just don't think very, there's that many guys running around in monkey suits. A very large hair suit lumberjack. Uh, anybody else turned on by that or is that just me uh, so here's the thing can I can I answer a question that is not that real quick hmm. my favorite theories are the ones that are so convoluted it makes more sense that you saw a fucking alien yeah I mean, you I know the ones that. where it's like uh, well Obviously, a very localized windstorm occurred in your room, and there was a magnetic polar shift thing, and like uh, reflective pelicans. And it's like, what if it was just an alien? That's actually more simple. Yeah, like I, I don't buy the moon reflecting off swamp gas or whatever. That just yeah. sounds way too. That's way too many steps. I agree. I mean, I believe like earth lights are still not like solid fact, but like I'd believe you saw earth lights before I believed somebody set swamp farts on fire. And it, it wasn't like, even the moon. Was it, it was like Venus, Venus or some shit? Yeah, it was like, always Venus through swamp gas. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. And that was that was our our one of our heroes, J. Allen Hynek. And he did a lot of work to try to. uh Try to recover from that. <laughs> so, uh, Ghost Forge, as always, has a question, which, thank you, Ghost Forge. You're an amazing person, and we're very glad you're listening. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this one's for all the hosts. Belief in the concept entirely by the wayside. What are your favorite supernatural or alien stories to hear about, and why? Uh, gonna be a lot of dead air trimming on this question <laughs> um i mean i can go like i love any alien abduction story like right. i just i love them those are my favorites the others um <clears throat> you know i'm covering like half of everything we talk about but like cryptid encounters too uh -huh. specifically like weird very humanoid things that bigfoot does right. or like 
like, like the, the whole thing where he'll unpeel the fruit and leave the peel uh, peels behind. And that then, sort of stuff. Yeah, and a hunter comes through the woods is like whoa and falls down. So yeah, I, I can get that. I get behind that, but I, I'm with you. I like early UFO abductions. Yeah. Like before people started trying like somebody had an experience and then they tied it into the you know a military alien industrial complex yeah. theory that somehow is gonna involve the Rothschilds. Like like the fifties and the sixties, I think, are the height for the like good abduction stories. Yeah, or or like a really good sighting. Like there was this one in eighty three uh near God, I want to say they were on their way to Galveston, Texas. And uh, there's this old woman, her friend, and her grandson. Her grandson's in the backseat. And they're driving along, and they see this giant. And when I say giant, I mean, like, massive. Like, as big as, like, if you took the Goodyear blimp and stood it on its nose and put another Goodyear blimp on top, we're talking, like, that tall, glowing white diamond going through the air surrounded by black helicopters. Now, they get out of the car, and they're staring at it. And the little boy's terrified, and he's talking about, oh, my God, it's too hot out here, Grammy. We got to go. It's too hot. And they get back in, and the car's burning. And then they're sick afterwards. And you know what happened? They all ended up with cancer and died. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, it took, like, they got, like, that cancer that you don't get better from, but it takes a while to kill you. That kind. But that's that's one of my favorite UFO stories. Like, those kind of things where there's, the like... The ones where people die. Well, not... Okay, <laughs> yes, but no. Like, where there's, like, observable consequences from it. That are it they, just happens that most of the observable consequences tend to be people dying. Well, I mean, if the foo shits. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's my favorite is like a good uh, older abduction story or a good older UFO story. Because mm-hmm. they're like, they're, there's not as much conspiracy in it. It's just this is some shit that happened. You're you're not getting the whole breeding program involved. You're not talking about like uh, there were men in military uniforms on the ship. You know, it's just good old fashioned scary stuff. Mike, how about you? I like, you know because we've been talking about this stuff for heading into a year. Yeah, but it said favorite. I don't know if I have one just because. I mean, it's not. It's not my bag, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not my bag, baby. Yeah, it. I mean, I. I don't hate this stuff, but I don't go seeking it out. Well, like, okay, so, is there a topic that we've talked about that you've really enjoyed talking about so far? Um, Watch him say none. I mean, I enjoy all the topics. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be doing the fucking show. I mean, right? I, yeah, sure. But I, um, I think I know what your favorite is. Hmm. Folks like the guy that did Time Cube. Oh, you not, like the the nutters? Nut bars are fun. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I don't know. But that's I don't know that that doesn't seem like in the scope of the question. Maybe okay, that's fair. Um, 
Okay, so, so what do you like more, cryptids or aliens? Do you like pirates or ninjas more? <laughs> yeah, see, I'm like, no, no, it, I mean, it, they're both it's, cool. It's literally just like if we had a choice of scheduling a cryptid episode or an alien episode, which one do you think you would uh, enjoy more based on your experience so far? I don't know. I mean, I like I said, I talking about them, I'd yeah. go either way. Like, if I had to pick one, okay. which one I'd prefer to be real, probably aliens. But okay. that's just because it appeals more to the sci-fi nerd in me. And also, you just don't like the idea of like big hairy Bigfoots coming out of the woods so and grabbing think, you and, and, and I, I think, entering you. I think the the pre, the reality, the proven reality of cryptids is a lot more problematic. Okay, I mean, it means there are there is you know very much macro shit on this planet that we don't understand, and that's a little scary to me. Okay, I like because because I get that very few cryptids can be completely explained by biology. Like you got Bigfoot, Chupacabra, and that's about it. Every one, every other one would require some form of supernatural biology. What about Nessie? <sighs> that still, no matter even if I said, even if he's coming from the Hollow Earth, it's like like I said. Some, the hollow earth would take a lot of retooling of our understanding of geology. I don't even want to believe in the hollow biology. earth because I am terrified that that just means the Nazis actually are down there. Yeah. but Well, and you know what makes me feel sad? What's that? Mike, you don't believe in Bigfoot, but Bigfoot believes in you. <laughs> you know, that's funny because I have a shirt that uh, Clark Wayne gave me. That says uh, Bigfoot doesn't believe in you either. <laughs> and but, but here, like, like sorry, I said, go ahead. Bigfoot is the one I would have the most credibility towards because right. it, like I said, it's not at least in the majority of descriptions it's not anything least, supernatural. It's mm, well sometimes. Well, like I said the majority of you know right take removing the the psychic ghost ape. <laughs> Uh, stories, ghost monkeys. Uh, you know your 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 traditional uh, Bigfoot big, stories mm-hmm. is just you know a a hominid of some form, right? And it's always like he stole my food and yeah. rummaged through my garbage and threw my dog half a mile. So and and I could con- I could conceivably see a intelligent enough you know creature like that being able to stay away from man be like oh i gotta stay away from these assholes <laughs> they're they're nothing but trouble yeah that's, that's why this. bigfoot buys all of his equipment from budk.com <laughs> go to budk and use the offer code bigfoot fuck your mother no i'm kidding sorry just get off on a thing there do not shop at budk.com unless you want well, really apparently cheap bigfoot got off too no Wait, what? <laughs> you, you did a whole joke about Bigfoot fucking someone's mother. Oh, that's right. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, you turn into madness. Uh, I, I'm really glad you didn't do that episode, by the way, about reading like the uh, the Bigfoot erotica. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> kill his joy. Yeah, that's no. True. I mean, I I'd, I'd be down for it if you if you ever do want to. Oh, so suddenly that. he's begging for the Bigfoot erotica. Oh, he's begging, begging for, for it. The, I mean, 
I'm not, I mean, it's not like I'd be podcasting with, you know, one hand or anything. You know, well, how do we know you're not doing that now? I'm actually podcasting with zero hands because I'm playing with a pocket watch. I just picture Mike like under the table with one hand jutting up like a Muppet. <laughs> and like that's how the voice is coming out. It's just coming out of his hand. <laughs> I also, for some reason, just the idea of Bigfoot suddenly being like a seven and a half foot tall Captain Caveman popped into my head. Kevin, go oh, go ahead. And and suddenly I, I just want that to be what he looks like. <laughs> if if I, but I was gonna say if I'm any Muppet, I'm the kind with the two real hands. Like oh, the yeah. Swedish Chef. Yeah, you're 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 Swedish Chef style Muppet. Work, work, work. Or uh, the Eagle guy. <laughs> no, Sam? no, no, you'd be Sweetums. Oh, you're a full body Muppet. Yeah, yeah, those creep me out really bad. Really? Yeah, Sweetums. Which one's with Sweetums? I don't you know. know. The big one. He, he looks like Bigfoot. Like oh yeah, no, yeah the. The, the, the brown the monster guy. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, he he freaked me the fuck out. Oh, wow. Okay, we're getting into like some deep shit with Mike's childhood drama here. <laughs> not like that bad, but, you know, he was not my favorite Muppet at all. Just don't bring a Sweetums to his birthday or else we'll punch it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Supernatural Trauma Bond. I'm your host. <laughs> he reminded me of where the wild things are, and I was never a fond of that. Never a fan of that book. Oh, do not watch the live action movie by Spike Jones because that is like horrifying Muppetish stuff. Then I loved it. I'm talking about Mike. <laughs> oh, okay. Mike okay. doesn't need to watch I mean, that. That'll be a no because it is a good it. movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's it's the best live action where the wild things are you could possibly do. Like sure. I remember that book. I don't remember actually ever reading that book, but I know that book existed in our house. So I don't know. It just, just maybe it, maybe the like when my parents first introduced me to it, I freaked out so bad they had to like. Well, guess he's gonna it. just be illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, I think children's books in general have like this link with bizarre trauma ish stuff, which I keep saying trauma, but like, and not trauma, but well. It could be children's movies as well, because, like, Lion King and The Land Before Time have really fucked up a generation. Oh, my dude. I grew up with a never-ending story, Artax, oh, yeah. in the Swamps yeah. of Sadness. Oh, that my was God. hilarious. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Now we know who history's real monster is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never really, like, hit me hard. That I can remember. Uh, Maybe I just didn't understand you, you, the fact that the horse you was know, dying. You know, I keep making jokes. I keep making jokes about you being unable to step foot in a church, but so far all I hear is that you have no soul. <laughs> oh my oh, god! I'm not gonna go there. Oh yeah, let's not go there. I don't know what it was. I just don't want to know, and neither does anyone else. We're gonna get so much feedback on just what was Mike gonna say <laughs> in the next episode? I don't know. <laughs> So, next week, we're going to be back with a weekend weird. We've got some fun stuff we're uh, lining up for that. I'm pretty sure I found one. David, you found a couple already. Mike? Yeah. Mike's probably uh, got a yeah. couple. I think I've put some stuff in there, and I think I have a, another one I can add to it. Awesome. We've got stories for the hopper for next week. And the week after that, we're going to do something very special, something fun from David that I'm really looking forward to. Bigfoot erotica. Mm -hmm. 
No. <laughs> no, I mean, we, I can push that. my original idea. I can push my nah, original idea, nope, and we nope, can nope, go nope. into this together and all get off together on no, Bigfoot Erotica. No, no, we are doing Bigfoot Erotica in August in the summer when it's all hot and sweaty and dirty. Much you, like the erotica that I'm going to bring exactly, in. Exactly. But we're going to do, what is it, snake oil stuff, right? Internet snake oil. Oh, that's going to be great. Internet snake pliskin. <laughs> I thought you were dead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. We'll be back, like I said, next week with some news. And uh, thank you again for all the support. Uh, don't forget, you can donate to us. You can send us uh, money via Patreon. You get lots of fun stuff with that. And uh, yeah. you can also advertise your webcomic or podcast with us. Check us out on uh, Twitter for all that information. Yes, just send us a, send us a DM at SupernatPod. Uh, Slide we, into those DMs like a slime creature, you filthy little monster. Oh, yes. Make it dirty and weird. <laughs> so, uh, thanks again for listening. We will talk to you next week. Everybody, stay safe and stay frosty. I also, uh, actually, before we actually do close out, there was something I looked up, and uh, you know, I'll just do it next week. I'll look, I'll look it up next week because I, I meant to have it ready. I've got a new sign off I want to do. It's in French. Okay. And I'll tell you about it later. Anyway, again, thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye bye. I, I had a bit I wanted to do here, but I forgot it, so okay. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> y- you know, I had a bit, but I'm just not going to do it to fit in with everybody else. All right, join the club. The Loser Club. Loserville. We forget everything. Fuck. Oh, no, I didn't forget. I just choose not to. Oh.